Woo! It's the boy, Bubba. Let's come in through. Ella Clutch, flawless. Can't be touched. It's your boy, Bubba. Let's. Yeah, I need that hot take. I need the truth and everything that is not fake. So tell me who's the Welcome back, Bubba Bunch, to another edition of the Bubble Let Sports Podcast, episode 196. And we are closing in on 200 episodes. And we are even closer to a very Merry Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. My favorite holiday. We are filming this on Christmas Eve Eve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so two days before Christmas. And then yes. we're going to have another episode with Kevin that we're going to do on the uh, the best gifts of uh, in sports or just in yeah. the NFL. We haven't really figured that out yet. But we'll do that for uh, Christmas Day which will be really nice. And um, yeah, so this time around, though, we're just going to make it pretty simple in the NFL, kind of like a winners and losers, but of the whole season as we go into week 16 of the NFL. And uh, we're going to do our biggest surprises, biggest disappointments of the season. And we've narrowed it down to three. We could do more, but we'll save ourselves some time because we are an efficient podcast. Yes, yes, we... we... We have made an agreement for this one specifically that it is going to be efficient, and it will. We will be breaking an hour this episode. We will. I forgot to put the stopwatch on, so uh, good start. But uh, uh, no, we're we're good. We're good. We know. <laughs> so let's get it started on this beautiful Christmas Eve Eve. Kevin, I'll let you go first. Who is your first big surprise? in the NFL this season. You doll, you're a doll. But you know what? Thank you. And um I'll go first with this one because in the off season, uh I was not too I guess you could say the word is confident about this hire. I was very judgmental. I did not think that this was a good hire at all. I I was very confused on why out of everybody in the league they chose him. Um I was very, very iffy about Kevin Stefanski coming to the Browns. I was so, so iffy. And uh, I remember in a podcast we made in the, in the offseason, uh, you know, kind of talking about the draft. And I went I went a little bit in about, about him. And I, I didn't really like it. I wasn't really a fan. I kind of thought, like, who? Why? Why him? What are his credentials? You know? Um, but... I I have to stand here. Uh, I I stand corrected big time because did I ever think the Browns would be ten and four and in a position to win the AFC North? Oh, real Man. G's moving silence like lasagna. So, and you know what? You know what's crazy too is that um, Baker's playing some pretty damn good football. Hey. He's playing some pretty damn good football, and you know. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it, man? Like seriously, like like I said, I just I would just I just wasn't convinced when I when I saw that hire, I was like, wow, okay, um, you know, there are a bunch of other you know well known names out there that have had their chance at coaching, you know, they have experience, but when I saw Kevin Stefanski's name, I was like, why? What did they see in him? Like his credentials, you know, are and he was, you know, he wasn't a flashy name. His credentials weren't flashy, but I mean. You know, I guess he was kind of like, all right, I'm going to let my work do. I'm going to let my work speak for itself. And let me tell you what, 
10 and 4 in a position to win the division. You know, his offense just looks, you know, his, you know, there, there's been some games where, you know, like Baker looks like he's kind of off, the offense looks off, but recently, these last couple, like three, four games, his offense has been on fire. Baker's been looking good, he's been looking sharp. Jarvis Landry has had like a little revival to a certain extent in his career. Rashard Higgins is looking like a solid number two. I mean, do we even have to say anything about Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, the dynamic duo, boom and zoom? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's just, it's looking great. And would I ever, you know, to this day, if if you would have told me that the the Browns would be 10 and four on that day where I sat here and I scrutinized this hire, I would have called you an idiot. I would have said you were wrong. Get out of my face. But I have to stand corrected, and I have to say that I am honestly very, very genuinely surprised how good this has worked out for the Browns. Because, man, let me—I t- don't think anybody wants to rethink those uh, Freddy Kitchen, uh, Freddy Kitchens. Uh, oh, games. we do not want to think about that. Oh my God, <laughs> I—you know—Baker looked so horrific with Freddie Kitchens last year. Their offense looked so bad cuz you know their offense is basically the same as last year, you know? They had you know they had they had Nick Chubb, you know, they had uh, OBJ, they had Jarvis, they had uh you know David Njoku. It was it was basically the same offense, but you know, now that just shows that coaching is a big part of, you know, what can transcend a team. And man, so you know, Kevin Stefanski deserves a lot of respect. Now, Let's see what happens these last two games. Let's see if they can make it to the playoffs. Let's see if they'll win the division. But either way, at least till this point right now, my first surprise, and it is well-deserved, and I, like I said, I stand corrected, but Stevens, uh, Kevin Stefanski and the Browns are my first surprise of the 2020 season, hands down. I had them as one of my surprises as well, uh, but for different reasons. Now, I'm going to disagree with you on the fact that the hire itself was a, oh, a shocker. You, you you were high on the high. I remember. I did you, you. like the hire because really when you look at what Kevin Stefanski did in Minnesota with that offense, very explosive, very built on the running game with Dalvin Cook, it was like, well, I'm just going to build that formula, take it to Cleveland, mm-hmm. and do it with Nick Chubb and then alongside Kareem Hunt. But what was important to make that work was the offensive line and that edge protection for Baker. It was it was all a lot of it goes to Jedrick Wills being drafted in this year's draft, who I thought was the best offensive lineman coming out of that draft class. And honestly, I think that the Odell injury actually was the best thing that happened to this offense because you no longer have that effect of like we have to force the ball to Odell in order for him to be happy and not to be super diva or emotional on the sideline but i i thought the hire was going to be anything better than Freddie kitchens that's that's the marker like that's all you got to do i think the worry about me with kevin stefanski was just the aura of cleveland like something's bound to go wrong so what's going to go wrong for the Cleveland Browns this year? Yeah. And Odell, you could say, is that issue. And maybe those times where Baker was like, maybe he's just not the guy anymore. But they've bounced back from that and answered that with Kevin Stefanski being very disciplined and just being a, a fresh atmosphere to this entire culture of the Cleveland Browns. And I've said it all year long. I think this defense is better than what people think. 
And I think that even though they're not perfect, they do better than the average defense around the league. And it's led yeah. by Miles Garrett. So they're going to be better next year when a lot of those guys come back from injury, including Grant Delpit. But in just year one, that's surprising for them to be one game back of the Sealers in that AFC North and definitely going to get a wild card, you know, bearing any collapse. But they're going to make the playoffs. And are we sure that they're going to be a threat in that playoffs? Maybe not. But we also didn't think the Titans were going to be that big of a threat going in. But they went in hot. And Cleveland has that same type of hotness to them of like they're led by the running game. And as long as their quarterback cannot make bad decisions, their defense will do the work. They can surprise someone. Yeah. And, you know, I one thing that leads to, you know, my – uh, you know, I guess stigma around the whole hire back then was, you know how I felt about Minnesota. I've never liked Minnesota. I've never liked Kirk Cousins. I just don't, I never liked the inconsistency surrounding the Minnesota Vikings offense last season. So that's why I had my doubts about Kevin Stefanski coming in. But, you know, leading to your point where you said that, you know, there were, you know, he, he had an explosive mindset to him that ended up working here because he just made it work with the tools that he had. And, you know, to a certain extent, if you want to make the argument that, you know, he maybe had more in Minnesota because he had both Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and he had Dalvin Cook, and he had Kyle Rudolph, you can make the argument that's fine. But there were moments last season where Minnesota just looked dull. Yeah, they made the playoffs, but there was a stretch in that season where they just looked dull, and they did not look good at all. And that was that. that is what I was worried about leading into Cleveland. But, man... I cannot say anything now because, I mean, I, I was wrong. So it's a very pleasant surprise, I guess, especially for an organization like the Browns that have been cursed for, God, decades, man, decades. Yeah, they just they needed someone to just go in there and say, this is how we're going to do things. Take it or leave it. If you're not yeah. down with this, get out. But we're tired of it. We're tired of being the laughingstock. And even though we may not win a Super Bowl, I, I think this is a win no matter what happens for the Cleveland Browns this year. Oh, yeah. They get sure. routed in the first round. You made it. You win. It's a, it's a step in the in the right direction. And, yeah. and like you said earlier, with these guys coming back next season, if the formula stays the same, you know, the sky's the limit for this team. And, and, and finally, the people of Cleveland can rejoice for once. Jesus Christ. And I, I'm all for it because I love watching that team play. I think there's so many different elements to that team that i'm like i like this group and yeah. i'm excited to see what the future holds so yeah. in the case that that's my first surprise i'll use my backup already okay go for it uh the pittsburgh steelers now they're my surprise pick because of many different reasons of course we mm. can talk about the surprise of them going undefeated for 11 straight weeks and having the best run that mike tomlin's ever had as the pittsburgh steelers coach yeah i don't think anybody saw that coming at all at all i i mean i i was thinking they were going to be bums i i really thought that big ben coming back was going to be the worst thing for them i was wrong for 11 weeks and i thought they were just going to be there like i, I thought the ravens were going to be way better than they are and i thought the browns were going to do something but i didn't know they were going to be to this level and yeah. even though the steelers have the wins over the browns this year it's it, they're just too completely different teams that we're looking at for the Steelers from then to now. And that's why they're a big surprise right now is that going from 11 and 0 and having 
one of the best offenses in football with every weapon possible at every position. And Big Ben doing his job too. Like defense, like you are intimidated because of the physicality of that defense from their linebackers and from, of course, TJ Watt. But you're scared to throw the ball down the field because you're not going to have enough time with that defensive front. And if you do, you're throwing to Joe Hayden and Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm terrified. And a little of that that feeling is gone now. Their defense is still good even throughout the injuries. But this offense went from from 100 to 0 real quick because how do we go from Chase Claypool – that had 10 touchdowns in his first 10 games in the NFL, which is the first time in history as a rookie quarter or rookie wide receiver to ever do that. I, I've not seen him in the end zone ever since, I feel like. You haven't seen him even catch a ball a lot in games recently. And you can say that for every single one of those guys on the receiving core in the tight end group because they're dropping balls left and right. They lead the league in, in drops the last few weeks. Yeah. Deontay Johnson cannot catch the ball. Um Juju Smith-Schuster is making more TikToks than than yards per game. And he had the comment today where he's like, for the betterment of my team, I'm going to stop dancing on local. I'm like, that yeah, that should just be a given. That shouldn't be something we talk about. Yeah. And then Big Ben is, feels like his his arm's noodle now. I, I, don't, I don't know what can save this team that is 50 over half the time. And I don't know when this trend started, but over half the time now, they go three and out on offense yeah yeah i i am i was very surprised espn pulled out some insane stat like they always do uh i don't know if you saw it but the pistol Steelers had not gone for like six three and outs in a game to start like uh, a game in general since like 1986 and i was like and this is the worst time to do it because it's so critical that your offense gets it going really quickly but yeah. in that first quarter against the Bengals of all teams, you have five times you get the ball, five possessions, and you go three and out. And I think all of them, I don't think they recorded a first down in the first quarter. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And then you lose the Bengals, who you dance on their logo pregame. And then, like, you're on a three-game losing streak. No one took you serious even when you're on that winning streak because you're barely beating these teams. And when you're not beating these teams, you're losing to the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah. So how can we take you serious after you're making all these, like, jokes and all these videos of, like, you guys being undefeated? Like, who's going to stop us now? Losing? What is even that? Like, Chase Claypool said that on a tweet. Well, it's Mm -hmm. like all you're doing is losing now. And you're losing terribly. So if yeah. you face the Bills in round one, if you're facing, I don't know, let's say the Miami Dolphins, well, I'm taking money on every single team except for you. Yeah, like there's a there's a very good chance that if the Steelers continue playing like this, they're an easy out. Easy, easy. run one out. Easy round one out. And it's terrible because of how glorified this offense was for its weapons and for the veteranship that it had. And now it's it's just kind of like I, I wouldn't say it's disappointing, like at that point because I'm genuinely surprised at the fact that they've gone from the highest of highs, and they peaked in week eleven. They peaked yeah. at week eleven, and now they are just on a downward spiral to where your biggest thing is kind of the same way that we've seen like Antonio Brown 
when he was with the Steelers. Like, doesn't it feel that way? Like, Juju is now Antonio Brown, and they're just trying to figure out, like, themselves, but they're just beating each other up. Like, they're the reason they're losing football games. It has nothing to do with the other teams. And that's just what the Steelers have ever been since Mike Tomlin took over. And what sucks is that, you know, Mike Tomlin, you know, we, we have immense respect for Mike Tomlin on this podcast. We both love Mike Tomlin to death. And it sucks that it looks like it, once he solves a problem, another one comes up right away. And it sucks because he doesn't deserve that. He's such a good head coach. And all he has to deal with is just a bunch of just unnecessary issues. But I do think he's a part of the problem. And I don't think he is the reason why they're losing games and why they'll never win a Super Bowl from what it looks like. Because Big Ben may play another year or two. Who knows? But I don't think that's the best move for them. It's just like, yeah, Mike Tomlin's a player coach. And he is very strict. But he also is just loved by those guys in the locker room. I just feel like some things he they can get away with. Because it's Mike Tomlin. Yeah. That many other coaches probably wouldn't allow. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. But then there's just that the culture of like, like we're talented. We're a really good group. So what's wrong? Like what is missing in this piece? Because I'm looking at this team and I've said it. They have every ingredient to be a Super Bowl winning team. But something's just not right. And I don't think anything will ever be right with Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Well, see it this way. They got two more weeks to figure it out. Because if they don't, later. Easy out. Nah, Easy out. nah, I've been off it for a while. I don't think there's saving this team. Not with how a lot of these AFC teams are, are going in hot. Titans, Unless, Browns, yeah. Miami. Like, they're getting these good wins in significant Dude, Buffalo. fashion. Buffalo? Buffalo looks like they could beat the Chiefs. No, God, no. Anybody who faces the Bills first round, God help you. God yeah. help you. Because that that is better than what the the Titans were going into the playoffs last year they were hot I don't, I don't even know what to explain what the bills are this year on well, fuego well football gods let's see what you'll give us with these Steelers um speaking of football gods because I you know this is the only way I could describe this immense turnaround in my opinion you know when when Philip Rivers got signed to the Colts, you had your opinion. We all know how you feel about Philip Rivers, right? Still I said do. I was like I was said I was like, "Oh, okay. Like, let's see." That's what I said. I said, "Let's see what happened." You know, the offense is nothing huge to talk about, right? You know, okay, yeah, they're getting the job done. They're scoring points. They're moving the ball. You know, Jonathan Taylor looks, you know, looks like the second coming of freaking Roger Craig sometimes. But then he has, like, his moments. And then, you know, Naeem Hines has absolutely popped off out of nowhere this season. Phillip Rivers is, looks like he's still, you know, just doing what he's doing. He's he's an above-average game manager, in my opinion. That's how I see Phillip Rivers. You know, but you don't have these number one wide receivers in Indianapolis. You have these receivers that do their job. So, you know, the offense, okay, great. You guys are doing your job. But can we talk about that defense? We're talking about an Indianapolis defense that last year averaged almost 30 points per game given up. 30 points. Hey, let's, um, if you let a team score 30 points per game, are you going to win? Uh, I mean, last year you really couldn't say that. This year you could probably get away with giving up 30 points, but it's not ideal. 
in general football talk, usually the answer is no to that question. Correct. So, you know, you know, they've 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 been kind of a little soft lately, but still, how do you go from the one of the absolute worst defenses in the league to just being top notch? You are the number one defense in the league. You are averaging more turnovers, uh, point differential. It, it's it's crazy. It's insane. The the complete turnaround was mind boggling. And you know, Xavier Rhodes as an example. Yeah, absolute bomb last three seasons in Minnesota. But then he comes to Indianapolis. You know, he's not an elite shutdown corner again. But he was he's having a pretty damn good season. He's turned it around. And also, at least one of my favorite moves from this offseason, DeForest Buckner to the Colts. Oh, my Lord. What a move. I loved it. And the fact that he was snubbed, embarrassing. Embarrassing for the league. He should be in the Pro Bowl. Um, but whatever. That's a different conversation. Um, DeForest Buckner, Xavier Rhodes. And my personal favorite, because this guy has had a very, very troubled beginning to his career. Malik Hooker is finally looking like the Malik Hooker that we, you know, expected out of him when he first got drafted. This this defensive group from these Colts are the biggest surprise for me out of this team in general because, hey, guess what? They're 10-4 and four as well. Did you ever think the Indianapolis Colts from last year would be 10-4 and four right now? Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah, not. I thought they were going to be better than last year. And that's tough to say because I did like Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. I think he gave them opportunities to win football games. And sometimes he did it. Sometimes he didn't. So it's like, yeah, I, I'd prefer Jacoby Brissett over Phillip Rivers. That's just my opinion. But I understand the move of like wanting to win now. I, I, I think Frank Wright is an amazing coach that's not oh, talked Frank about Reich. enough in this in Frank this league. Frank is so underrated. So underrated. He just he fits the mold of a head coach. Like he fits it so well. And then when he got the opportunity from leaving Philadelphia to Indianapolis, it's like, "Oh, okay, I do want to see what what goes on here." And yeah. it's taken a little bit and it took a terrible retirement, early retirement from Andrew Luck to to really get it going for Indianapolis, but I, I I was listening to 105 through the fan and they were like, the Colts are just boring. Like they're just boring to watch because they just play good football, but it's not flashy, flashy. football. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just good football. And I'm like, you know what? That reminds me a lot of the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl. It's like they just play good football. I hate the Eagles, but I appreciate good football. They played really good defense. And if their quarterback does not screw up, or then you go. Like, you just give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. You do a play action to T.Y. Hilton or, or Michael Pittman Jr. It's like you get the job done. You do an RPO to Naeem Hines because that always works for some reason. Always. Yeah. So, it, yeah. I, I'm genuinely surprised at how good they are playing. But I, I'm happy for them. Like, I think Frank Wright deserves to have this type of success. I don't think they're going to be a threat in, in the playoffs. In my opinion, I think if they go against the Tennessee Titans again, I think they lose. But I, I think that at the end of the day, this is a good team. And I think Phillip Rivers loses them the season because it's Phillip Rivers. You can't blame anybody but Phillip Rivers no matter what happens. 
There's the Philip Rivers slander. He had to put it in somewhere. I had to because it's going to happen. It's going to well, happen. Well, we'll end it on this note. The Indianapolis Colts have been a very pleasant surprise this season. Nice word. I like that. There you go. Pleasant surprise. Another pleasant surprise. As a man that I ridiculed coming out of the draft. And I will say on this podcast right now, looking at the camera. I was wrong. Jesus, looking at the camera. Wow. I was wrong about Josh Allen. Let's look at the stats, shall we? Because the stats don't lie. 2019, 16 games, a 58.8 completion percentage. This time in 2020, on 14 games, so it's probably not going to change a lot for the completion percentage, is up by 10 points at 68.7. He's already blown past his passing yards from last season even though he had more games already he went from 3089 to 4000 nice clean look for a 4000 on the stat sheet yes 20 passing touchdowns to 30 passing touchdowns nine rushing touchdowns last year eight already this year in rushing and the Mm. most important part most important stat is the passer rating 85.3 last year 104.2 this year so good. If you want to watch good quarterback play, you watch the game against the Seattle Seahawks and you say, against a bad defense, this is what a good quarterback should do. You put up 44 on him. Now, see, as much as I love Josh Allen, and I've always believed in Josh Allen, I've always said he just needed the time to develop. Like we talked about yesterday, Sean, deser- Sean McDermott deserves a lot of respect for developing Josh Allen. Yes. Be- and that's that's the best part about this surprise is that it's not just putting up the stats like a Jameis Winston instance, right? It's like you can throw 30 touchdowns, but you're also one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. It's like, no, this this is actual improvement year by year because we can't really count the 2018 year. It's like a, a shit show for the Buffalo Bills. They had Nathan Peterman as their quarterback at some point. like, And Matt Barkley made a start. Dear God, let's just not talk about it. So let's start from 2019. And ever since then, have we seen him improve on the things that we did not like in college? Look at Wyoming. He was the worst deep passer in the league or in college football, really. Like he just did not know how to throw past 20 yards. And in this season, even when he was in the league in his first couple of years, like it was something he needed to work on. And in this season, I have seen nothing but good progress out of that one particular thing. It's been Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and and Josh Allen as the three best deep passers in the league right now. You you could put Aaron Rodgers in there, yeah. But as far as like improved guys, like Dak Prescott and Josh Allen have really improved on that. But yeah. for me, it's like the accuracy deep and the completion percentage, which have all improved tremendously this season. He is taking Buffalo by storm. And I'm yeah. I'm feeling like I never got to see Jim Kelly play. But if I did, I feel like it would f- feel like this. Jim Kelly was so good. He, was like so he good. takes it. He puts the whole city on his back. And he says, I'm going to win you the football game. We yeah. may only rush for 19 yards. But I'm going to throw it for 400 yards plus. Because that's what I have to do. That's a dangerous game to play. But as far as right now goes, there's only small and very minimal instances to where it didn't work out in the favor of Josh Allen. But right now, Buffalo is riding high, 
and a lot of it has to do with Josh Allen and his play. Not just going from a game manager, but being a rising star at his position. And I'm genuinely surprised that it's come this far already. I always believed in you, Josh. I was I wrong about Josh Allen. I am ready right. to say he is a great quarterback for years to come. And if we're starting a franchise and they said, you, you just got, you'll get Josh Allen over a guy in the draft. I'm like, you know what? Give me Josh Allen all day, every day. Because, yes, there's going to be some moments where he still makes those mistakes, which he still does. But every quarterback does that. So I was wrong about Josh Allen. I like this. I like this. Got to keep myself humble, you know? There you go. I love this. You know, self-improvement. There we go. All right. All right, all right, all right. Now we're going to go on a little bit of a negative surprise. Hmm. So, um, remember in the beginning of the season when the Tampa Bay Bucks were pulling the cars of the uh, Golden State Warriors? Signing literally every single <laughs> superstar super team. Yeah, what happened? That is not a good analogy. There was one instance to where Golden State signed a free agent. What, Kevin Durant? Yeah, everything else was homegrown. I, okay, fair enough then. I don't watch basketball as a disclaimer, but to be quite honest with you, I thought Clay Thompson was another no, uh, no, no, free they, agent signing. They, they drafted him. Oh, okay. Never mind. Bad analogy. See, this let me is give you a good. Let me give you a good analogy. Please uh, fix fix my analogy because I don't watch basketball. Miami Heat when LeBron went there. Okay. Um. And maybe the Lakers, because okay. the Lakers can just sign anybody. Okay, fine. Uh, let's the Tampa Bay Bucks pulled the Lakers card. There, my analogy's fixed. Um. But yeah, you get my point, basically. Yeah. Um, what happened? Why are you guys nine and five? I've said it <laughs> multiple times on this podcast. I hate watching the Bucks. I hate watching these damn Bucks because I think Bruce Arians Bucks... hates watching the Bucks too. <laughs> yeah, man, dude. There's some games where these Bucks look incredible. They are riding high. They're going to the Super Bowl. You know, they go, they go, and they shut down Aaron Rodgers to just ten points. And then four weeks later, they get obliterated by the Saints on Thanksgiving. How? How does that happen? Please tell me. There's no way. I don't get it. It's an on and off thing every single week for these Bucks. Every single week. Did they win last week? Yeah, they won last week against the Falcons. But you were down 17 to nothing to a team that blows games, which I wish they did again. But still, how? I, you're I, not going to get that every week to where you go down 17 nothing and, and make a comeback. You're not going to do that in the playoffs. I don't get it, though. Because, look, if you look, I don't want to hear the argument of, oh, well, Tom Brady's learning the system. Uh, no, shut up. You're dumb. I feel like if you're a 20-year veteran, that is literally, you literally have every single smart in football. You have the smarts. Going to another system is just learning the plays. Now, you have Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard before injury, Cameron Brait, 
um you also have rojo you have leonard fournette you have shaq barrett levante david come on do i have to keep going i mean oh i'm sorry nadama can sue as well you have all these players and you're nine and five look I was not completely high on the Bucks going into the season. And you remember this because you roasted me multiple times for saying it. But did I expect them to be this inconsistent? No. No, 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 no. I thought, I said on this podcast they would be at least maybe like 11, 5, 10, and 6. They saw the possibility to do it. But, dude. No, it's, it's, a, it's a bad 10 and 6, you know? It, one of the most inconsistent 10 and 6, 11 and 5s I've ever seen in football. I've ever seen. And and I just don't get it because they literally have firepower in every single position. My friend is a Bucks fan and he feels the exact same way I do. And I always tell him, like, dude, you you guys have everything. Literally, you have everything. Yeah. What's going on? And even he's like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. And you know. We both here love Bruce Arians. We have immense respect for him. Why? Why is this happening? Well, it's a common Bruce... trend. It's a common trend for Bruce Arians to put in a new system for a quarterback, even if it is an elite quarterback to a lot of people, because it's just, it's a very, there's no compromise, you know? Bruce Arians at some point coached, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer, love Carson Palmer, and, and now Tom Brady. And if you look at those stats in the first year that they were under that system with Bruce Arians, it was very similar to what Tom Brady is now, just inflated because of the amount of offense that is now in the NFL. But those guys struggled as well. It was they have to learn everything after the snap. Bruce Arians does not like to give you coverage looks or motion in order to dissect the defense he wants you to do everything after the snap which and a lot of people a lot of coordinators and personally in my opinion is not the best way to go about it like if you are a motion-based team pre-snap like you are going to have the advantage and you want the defense to play your game you don't want to do it the other way around you're yeah. playing the defense's game and you're trying to maneuver from that and Yes, I get it. That's Bruce Arians' way. But you got to have some compromise. It's also on Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady's been around the league way too long, and he said it multiple times. He's like, I know everything about the like about football. Like, I know every coverage possible because I've seen it all. So you should know by now where those holes are. And unless you're going against elite defense, and even then you've had multiple occasions to where you go against elite defenses and you do well. So what's the excuse? You can't tell me that you have so much inconsistent play and you're only nine and five and when we're looking at it because i i think that the bucks are a disappointment um their only impressive win is against the green bay packers and that was really the green bay packers saying okay well hold up uh, we're not perfect so let's just go back to yeah. the fundamentals but their losses come to the saints twice so they're not winning the division they lost to the chiefs and they lost to the Rams. all their wins come against the eagles the uh, not the eagles the like the the Panthers against the Giants, like it's teams Viking. that the slumping Vikings. Like, what are you gonna do when you get to the playoffs and you've lost to every team that you would see in the playoffs and you beat every team that won't be there? It's like, yeah. and you're only beating them 
by a small amount, like you almost lost to Daniel Jones on Monday Night Football. That's yeah. how bad it was. And credit to the New York Giants defense because that was really a good coming out party for them. But it's it it's still the Giants. Like you shouldn't be losing when you have this amount of talent. So how do we go from Super Bowl contenders out of the NFC? Because yes, the Saints and the Packers are going to be good, but Bucks have every weapon possible, and there is no excuse. They have the firepower, and they've just been duds every week in, week out, and it's so weird. So, yeah, I'm very, very surprised of how inconsistent this Bucks team, and uh, they round out my surprises. Yeah. So, well, I will always talk about how great the draft class for the wide receivers was this year, but. I don't even think I was aware of how good they would be. And looking back at it, this is historic as far as how good these wide receivers are. I looked it up, and it's actually a record of the the largest amount of wide receivers taken in the first two rounds of the NFL draft at 13. That is the most in NFL history. And in those first two rounds, first round, Henry Ruggs, ooh, we still got to figure it out, but there's a lot of potential there. Being used properly, yeah. Jerry Judy, who doesn't have a quarterback. Unfortunate circumstance. Unfortunate circumstance, but still one of the best route runners in football. C.D. Lamb. <laughs> we like C.D. Lamb. Uh, I'll get to him later, but yes. Oh, oh I don't like that. Uh, Jalen Rager, we'll see, but a lot um, of potential. A lot of potential. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, who is oh, perfect for San Francisco. Stud. Stud. Yes, yes. Uh, Justin Jefferson. Stud. Baller. Rookie of the year. Personally, oh, if you sure. ask me right now, rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. Second round, T. Higgins. Mm. Stud. Michael Pittman Jr., who has had some really good games this season with the Colts. And if we're talking about years past T.Y. Hilton – as far as what's the future like in Indianapolis, it's Michael Pittman Jr. He has potential, big potential. Chenault out of Jacksonville, who just always fits like the the mold of like, even if you are in Jacksonville, even if there's no quarterback, you want to put him on your fantasy team. Bright spots. He's had bright games, yeah. yeah. KJ Hamler, who next year is going to have a coming out party, guaranteed. Fortunate circumstance again. Denzel Mims. We'll see what happens with the Jets. Van Jefferson with the Rams, who I think fits that system really well. Chase Claypool, even though we just bashed on him, is a great wide receiver. And let's talk. Let's just get deeper into the to the rounds. Fifth round, Darnell Mooney. We're oh, loving some Mooney right now. We praised we praised him yesterday. Yeah. Sixth round, Quez Watkins. He's getting a few touchdowns here and there with the with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is going to really like him. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Cleveland Browns in the sixth round. Oh, he's He's been popping off lately. The greatest name in all of football, I think, yeah. in, in right now, next to Kiki QT, who's also a wide receiver. But, we're I mean, there are so many wide receivers picked every year. But I don't think we've ever seen this amount of talent already prosper in their first year. And look, man. I think the sky's the limit for a lot of these guys. Like oh, Justin sure. Jefferson just looks like Randy Moss. CD lamb is getting 88, that number in 88. And I'm like, Oh, he could be better than Des Bryant. 
Oh, CD deserves the 88 for sure. I, I was I was skeptical about him getting 88, but the way he's playing with bums at quarterback, he's getting the job done, and he's making immaculate catches like he did against Minnesota. Like I'm I'm just questioning how how it worked, how he twisted his body that way. He's had mistakes. Every wide receiver is going to have mistakes. Every rookie is going to have mistakes, but. You know, he has that Minnesota touchdown. He gets the kickoff return on an onside kick. He took it to seal the game against San Francisco. It's like, you can't help but be excited about a young group of guys coming out of college and just balling out. I agree. I agree. I, I think this this core has a lot of good years to come. And a lot of these guys are, you know, on teams that they, they just need that extra, extra, you know, talent, extra push. But... You know, once they're, uh, you know, used right, like Henry Ruggs, you know, once Jerry Judy has a good quarterback, good system around KJ Hamler, Denzel Mims, uh, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager might pop off now that Jalen Hurts is in. So, you know, I think, I think this, like you said, the sky's the limit. And in the future years to come, I think next year in the, at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, next year, when everybody's back, we might be able to see what these guys are made of because the full team is ready to go. Well, then we're only adding more next season with Jamar Chase and D. Smith out of Alabama. Jamar Chase is so good. He's so good. He's not even playing this year, and he's going to go top 10. Like that, he's just that good. But uh, wide receivers are just, you know, if you're a fantasy owner, if you just play fantasy, like you just have so many options at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. Big time. Um, So let's, let's get disappointed. Like, uh, this, like my marriage. This, this one, this one hurts me. Let's, this one hurts me big time. And I think you already know what I'm going to say. I was so high on these Denver Broncos this year. <laughs> I was so high on these Broncos, dude. I, I honestly thought these Broncos had the capability to go to the playoffs, have a, such a good season. <sighs> let me just let me just read you this real quick, right? Before the season even starts, okay? Oh god. Von Miller, ankle injury, out for season. You know, we talk about these players that have the ability to affect the whole entire game just single-handedly. Von Miller's on that list. Of course. And you know, you know, Bradley Chubb is a stud. He is an absolute stud. But he is not Von Miller. He's not. So Von Miller's out. Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton last year proved that he has the capability to be a number one and top wide receiver in the league. And he tears his ACL. Oh, that one hurt. God. He was poised to just pop off this year. But love them in fantasy. I was so excited damn. to get him. So excited. I drafted him. I drafted Cortland so Sutton this year. Damn, man. That sucks. Next one. Another player on the defense that, you know, he's not Von Miller elite, but this guy is a stud and he makes big time plays. Jarrell Casey. He fell down and man, did they need him. They needed him big. And the last one that hurt big time because, you know, he came over on a trade and we everybody was excited about him. And then he goes and gets suspended, A.J. Bouye. 
this team had so many parts, man. They had so many parts. And, you know, it sucks because, you know, even their offensive line is banged up this year. Can you imagine? We were talking about it last night. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay had the potential to be that boom and zoom combo. Like a lot of these teams are now getting. But it's hard to have a boom and zoom combo when your line can't really help you because the starters are injured. And also, you know, you have wide receivers in Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick. Yes, they're great. But, you know, you can't get in a rhythm when your quarterback has to run for his life every single play. It sucks. And that defense is just atrocious because they don't have their playmakers. Hats off to Justin Simmons for, you know, being able to stay healthy and play an absolute incredible season. Justin Simmons deserves that Pro Bowl nomination. But this team could have been so much more. Yeah. They could have been so much more. And I said it. I I called it. They were one of my predictions. They were going to be the sixth or seventh seed. I that's what that, that's what I said. It just damn. Damn, man, yeah. such a disappointment for this team. And, you know, I'll, I'll say it early. If this team is able to come into next season healthy with all these players back, I'm going to move my prediction to next year because they have the talent. They have the probability. They have the capability of just being a top team. So huge, huge disappointment on these Denver Broncos. You know what would be really interesting to watch next year? What? Vic Bangio gets fired. Okay. They need a new head coach. Huh. They see this guy two years or two times a year. He's been getting a lot of praise to be a next great head coach in the NFL, but has never been given the opportunity. Well, you see this offense twice a year, and you see the talent that you can get in Denver with their offense. Why not bring over Eric Bieniemy? My God. Go Eric against Bien-Ami. Kansas City Chiefs twice a year. Andy Reid versus Eric. You got stud wide receivers. You got a good running game. You see with Drew Locke, and you have a good defense that's coming back for with injuries. Hmm. Look, that is a very good option. And, you know, t- to keep this short so we can go on to your first disappointment, I'll say it like this Travis Kelsey, elite tight end. You know, number one for sure. But no offense, no offense of a bad man. Oh, he's when good. He, He's when good. he stays healthy, he's a bad man. Now, those Chiefs, yeah, you know, they have a good receiving core. However, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, hey, Sammy Watkins has his moments. But who is the real number one receiver over there? It's Tyree Kill. And they had so much success with Tyree Kill. With Sammy Watkins, that's on and off. With Cole Hardman, that's just a speedster. Can you imagine if you have three solid wide receivers? This could work. You got a good boom and zoom combination. This could work. Eric Bieniemy could come into Denver and just bring out the best of these players. I guess is the best way that I wanted to say it. You, it could, you could easily get a top five offense. Easily, easily. Now, to end off my point. To go to your first disappointment, because I've said I said it all off season. It all depends on Drew Locke's play. Yeah, all I'm gonna say this year, he's had his moments, he's had his bad moments, but with a full stacked roster, healthy roster, 
I want to see what he can do. So, disappointing this year. Hopefully, a revival this year. Hopefully. Or you could just trade for Zach or for for Dak. No, stop it. Stop. I mean, I'd I'd become a Broncos fan. I I, I probably would too. <laughs> I, I probably would too, to be honest. Um. Look, I gave it all season, and since they're out of the playoffs, let's just let's just rip off the bandaid. Let's just okay. open the wound. Okay. Because I told you so. I told everybody, and this has been a staple on this podcast for many years. We're gonna combine. I'm feeling we're gonna combine. Um, I wouldn't doubt it, because there's there's one there's one quote from this man at the beginning of the season that really just embodies his whole career and my perception on this guy. Quote unquote, they ain't ever seen this cam. Oh, we're not combining. Okay, you you got me on that one. Cam Noon is an okay quarterback. Uh-huh. That's all he is. That's all uh-huh. he's ever been. That's all he ever was, ever will be. Hmm. We watched all the Instagram videos. We watched all the, the clips of his workouts, and we watched him talk and talk and talk about how this is a brand new Cam Newton and that thanks, Carolina, but also screw you for letting me go. You ain't never seen this Cam. Oh, he's got New England. He's got Josh McDaniels. He can make it work with Bill Belichick. This team is going to be okay. He's an okay quarterback, and that's all he ever will be. I told you that there is never getting back to that 2015 MVP camp. He peaked in 2015. He has been injury-plagued, and he's a bad leader. He's a bad decision-maker. And he, he just doesn't play the quarterback position at the high level. Look, I compared the stats from 2015 to 2020. He has a better completion percentage than he did in 2015. Good job. You finally got it to what the average should be in the NFL. He had 35 touchdowns in 2015. He had five passing touchdowns this season. He never threw the ball. And when oh, he did, God. he would throw a 100-mile-per-hour fastball to a guy that's literally five yards away from him. He makes good throws, and then he makes those bad throws. He's always made those, and it's always what he's going to do. Nothing changed. So th- yeah. this is my point. He has not changed at all. Lesser passer rating than what he did in 2015. Pretty self-explanatory because he didn't have 35 touchdowns. He has yep. 800 less yards than he did in his second worst season as far as passing yards, which was 30, 3,100 passing yards in 2014. He has like 2,300 this year. He has 11 rushing touchdowns. Great, because that's the only thing you could do with this offense. It was very one-dimensional because, yes, you can make the argument that they didn't have the offensive weapons. Well, I think Jacoby Myers played really well in that second half of the season. And... Demir Bird really came together. He was a deep threat. But it's the same old offense that the New England Patriots have been doing, which is through the rushing attack and through the running backs coming out of the backfield by catching balls. They continue that, and they won games because of it, and they lost games because it's very one-dimensional. 
but it's the Patriots. They they just execute it really well. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Look, the like Cam Newton's going to be the quarterback probably next year for for the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. I think that's fine. But from what we expected Cam Newton to be, or not not me, but everyone else, including Cam himself, talking all that smack of like, oh, everybody's going to regret letting me go and keeping me or keeping them out of my mind. It's like, no, you're just the same old Cam Newton. You matured a little bit because you stopped talking when it came down to actually winning games. And when you lost games, you were like, it's on me and we got to win more. But your play on the field is the exact same it's been since 2015. And that's okay. Cam's not an elite quarterback. And everyone who said that he was, doesn't know football. Because they're watching him throw inaccurate passes that are five yards down the field. And he makes that one great pass, but it's not going to win you games. He's average. Yeah. All I'm going to say to end your point is just, I was very excited for him the first like three weeks of the season. Because it looked like he finally started turning that point where, you know, okay, he realizes mistakes. He's now playing good football. Finally, finally, right? But um, no, 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 no. Um, I was excited. I was, you know, to a certain extent, kind of like you know, hyping up. Like, yeah, man, finally, you know, go do you. Go be back. Go go back to that 2015 cam. But um, no, 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 no. So, yeah, yeah, that cam wanna hurts um but let me tell you something else um you know cam being cam hurts but uh i'll tell you what rest in peace to the san francisco 49ers Mm. i'm gonna disagree with you on this one okay hold on uh because i'm talking about a specific topic i don't think i've ever seen a team have 25 players go on IR slash reserve list at one moment in time. I can't believe that. I can't. Am I saying that if Jimmy G was back, they'd be a playoff contender? Maybe. Maybe. Um, Would they be a scary playoff? No. No. We know what they did to go to the Super Bowl in the playoffs last year. We know. But let me tell you one thing. I'd rather have Jimmy G than Nick Mullins. Fair point. I'd rather have Raheem Mostert than Jermichael, uh, Jermichael Hasty. Fair point. Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert is a baller. I'd rather have I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I'd rather I'd rather have all of those on the offense. Now, they started coming back and, you know, like they started getting better, but then they went straight back to the injured list. I just don't understand how unlucky you could be as a team. And that's just the offense, right? You go back and you lose Nick Bosa, dude. Nick Bosa was an absolute monster last season and you lose him. You lose, um, you, I think you lose Jimmy Ward as well. Jimmy Ward for a long time this season. You lose Jimmy Ward, you lose um, Solomon Thomas, another stud on your defensive line. 
the my point in how disappointing this team is is because how unlucky they've been. Like I said in the previous point, do I think that if they had all these players back, would they be a playoff contender? Maybe. Maybe. It would have been hard in that division, but imagine all four of those teams trying to get to the playoffs going against each other. That would have been really fun to watch. Highest possible potential they could play in because they have all these players, you know? Do I think they would have won the division? No, because I think Seattle and LA are still heading for that title. But my point is that how disappointing is it to come off of a Super Bowl run last year to just absolutely getting demolished by injuries? And dude, let's be real. Let's be real on this. If the 49ers had their initial team, come on. You really think they would have lost to the Eagles? Really? You or, really or to the think Cowboys. they would have lost to the Eagles? Or to the Cowboys? Really? Come on, dude. It sucks. It sucks really bad. It's so disappointing to see. Um, you know, you can make an argument for the opposite side, and I'm sure you have that argument. But in general, on the topic of the uh, the possibility, the capability that this team had to at least make a run back into the playoffs possibly, it sucks to see. And it's very disappointing that they set an NFL record for most players on IR at one point of the season. Damn, man. Well, that sucks. The, the reason why I'm not like disappointed about it is because even with all those players out, there was a lot of games where I felt the 49ers like played really well. Like they they made the best out of the situation. And yes, their record doesn't speak for that, but as long as your players that are healthy that are on the field play hard like that's all you could ask for and that's what you really see out of a good football team is how many of these guys are actually still willing to give it all on sunday like are they willing to give their body up for the win even though things aren't going their way and yeah. kyle shanahan's really good at, at bringing those players together i think they've built a great culture from the front office down to even the reserves on that team so I'm not worried about this team at all. And I, I'm not really disappointed because there's nothing you can really do about the injuries. And like even when you got Raheem Mostert back or Jimmy Garoppolo back, like they still continue to get injured. I think it's just just 2020 like summed up in, in the Bay Area. But it's just like Am I disappointed? No. Like I'm I didn't think they were gonna make it back to the Super Bowl. I didn't think they would make the NFC championship, but I did think they were a playoff team. And I'm more disappointed at the fact that they missed out on, on a great divisional battle yeah. with the NFC West. Uh, other than that, it's kind of like, all right, they'll be back next year. And maybe they switch up the quarterback position to somebody else other than Jimmy G. And, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think for now, it's like, well, I, I think this might actually work out in their favor. But to wrap up my point, would you can you sit there and say that if they had their full team from last year, it would have been a better season by far. Oh, absolutely. That, that that's all that's all I was trying to say. That it, it's disappointing to see a team that had a bright future ahead of them just get demolished by something that they can't control and it sucks. So that's that's why I think it's so disappointing. But Yeah, I'm thinking more yeah. like long term. It's oh, like lo Yeah, lo long term that's different. I I get your point. I can see them coming back next year and putting up a fight, but at least for this year it's disappointing to see. Yeah. Um, well, this team's not going to be any better th next year. Um, since the the Bucks you mentioned earlier, they were actually one of my disappointments, and 
I mean, there's not really much else I could say about the Bucks. So this is my last disappointment of the season. Is uh, Detroit Lions are just a bad organization. Yeah. Like, even a team in Washington that has no name and literally went through a, every crisis imaginable before the season even started and their head yeah. coach had cancer and they are still a better football team than you right now. It's just ridiculous how much, like, I think now that Cleveland is winning games, like, now we just go to, like, Detroit and say, what is wrong with you? Like, like Jets, who cares about? Jets are always just going to be bad. Jacksonville had their moments a few years ago, so at least they had some success, right? They made it to the AFC Championship. They made yeah. the playoffs. They won their, uh, a division. Yeah. Detroit, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, congratulations for finally firing Matt Patricia and your GM, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's where does that put you? You have no head coach and you have no GM. Now, if they do sign Lewis Riddick as their new GM, I actually do like that move a lot. I do like Riddick a lot on ESPN. He's on Monday night football. Such a smart guy. I feel like he would be really good in Detroit, but I don't think that's going to happen. So right now, a team that has not won a single playoff game since 1991 has not won this division since 1993 and has nothing to offer really other than maybe a rising tight end. TJ Hawkinson's a baller. He is. TJ's doing really well. I'm looking at the team. I'm saying Matthew Stafford's probably going to play his last season with the Detroit Lions. I think it's just time. We've had 11 years of Matthew Stafford. I've seen enough. I've seen it enough for many years. And he just can't stay healthy. The dude has an injury every week. And they, for many years, it was like they can't, they don't have a running game. Well, now they have a running game with DeAndre Swift and then whoever they bring in next year. If, if they keep carry on Johnson, I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to stay there another year. No. Kenny Galladay can't stay healthy, even though he's really good. Marvin Jones, how long does he have in the league? He's pretty old, but he's still really good. I just don't know. Danny Mendola has done nothing since he's gone there. Their defense. I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, look, these. Oh, yes. if this you. if this was like four years ago, I would have been like, this defense looks amazing. Like Desmond Trufant, Jamie Collins. Like, oh, they just got Jeff Okuda. It's like, well, right now, you're giving up like over 40 points on a regular basis. And then on Thanksgiving, you literally got embarrassed by the Houston Texans, who are also not a good football team at this point. So what do you have to offer to this league other than showing up on Thanksgiving Day and having to play a game? Yeah. You're 5 and 9 right now. I'm actually surprised they've won 5 games. They should have won another one in week 1, but DeAndre Swift dropped that ball against the Chicago Bears. And I'm looking at the future. I'm saying like like a disappointment because I actually had some good hopes and development with Matt Patricia in that offense that should be really good and that defense that should have been better with more additional players. And now we're back to square one and we're at a worse standpoint than we were a year ago. And I don't think it gets any better for the next five to 10 years. I think, I think it's time to eventually, or at least maybe in the next coming seasons, 
just clean house. Clean house and start over, man. Because you just can't. No, nothing there is working slash has worked. So why the hell are you going to just try to fix it? Just clean house, start fresh. At least if you clean house and start fresh and you still aren't good. Okay, well, at least you tried something. At least at the bare yeah. minimum. But, you know, but. It, it feels you, like we're just like in 2014, 2015 again with the Detroit Lions. Like yeah. all these players that have tremendous potential. Like we're wasting careers here. We're wasting a Megatron. We're wasting a Ndamukin Sue. We're wa- wasting Matthew Stafford. Been wasting Matthew Stafford. Oh my god, ever since he got there. Like he just puts up the stats, but it doesn't mean anything. So yeah. like, like the Detroit Lions have been stale. And a lot of these other teams, uh, speaking for a Cowboys fan, like we we know exactly how that feels. But I don't think it's to the level what the Detroit Lions are because at least with the Dallas Cowboys, we can see a future that's somewhat bright. I'm not saying Super Bowls. I'm saying like let's just get a consistent season going. Yeah, for sure. The Lions, I don't see them winning more than like eight games for the next like three years. And in yeah. that division, it's going to be yeah. even harder because everybody else is getting better, and you're just kind of being left behind. Yeah, you're the well, weird kid at the that table. <laughs> uh, these lines, these lines. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. It, it's well, I think I, if anything, you could say that the lines have been a disappointment, not a 2020 disappointment. So, um, yeah, I guess to wrap up this uh, episode, I'll I'll leave you with this. We don't like talking about the Cowboys on this podcast due to bias, but I have to bring this one in because this one makes me very, very sad. And I was talking about it last night with some of my my friends. Can you imagine if Dak never got hurt this season? Think about it. We had this conversation recently, okay? Would we still be, you know, like, like, would we have been an amazing team? No, because our defense is garbage. But I mean it in this way. If Dak never would have gotten hurt, let me say this. I have immense, immense respect for Justin Jefferson. But I think CD would have been better. I think Better than Justin better. Jefferson? Stat-wise. I disagree. Really? Yeah, you I think d- Kirk Cousins is better than Dak Prescott? No, 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 no. I, ju- I just think that, like... The system fits him better? I I feel like with Dak, there would have been games where Amari Cooper goes for 150 yards, where Michael Gallup goes for 150 yards. Then there's the games where CD goes for 150 yards. Every game, Justin Jefferson's getting 150 yards. But for, like, CD Lamb wouldn't get 150 yards every game. But CD Lamb was the leading receiver while Dak was there. You got to remember that. Yeah, but it wouldn't be to the same level as Justin Jefferson, though. I have to somewhat disagree with that. Cause I, 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 I guess we'll both agree to disagree because we have a different point. But in general, not just talking about CeeDee Lamb, I think CeeDee Lamb would have had an absolute breakout rookie year. And it's not him. Dude, how many times, how many games this year have we seen this stat line? Amari Cooper, three receptions, 12 yards. Amari Cooper, two receptions, 10 yards. Amari Cooper, five receptions, 20 yards. 
Come on, dude. Uh, Come on. Come uh, on. I don't know about I'm that. Not because I feel like that stigma of of Amari Cooper not showing up on the road was debunked this season, and I feel like he's been way more consistent even in the losses. Let me look up his stats. Come on, dude. We both know if Dak was still there, Amari would have had way more volume. I'm not saying every single game he would have 10, 15 catches, but come on. Two receptions, 10 yards. Three receptions, 12 yards. Come on. Mm. You have to at least agree with me on that. Well, so Philadelphia, the that terrible game on Sunday night, he had one reception for five yards. He was hurt, though. He was hurt. Uh, yeah, Amari Cooper's always hurt, yeah. Uh, Not this season? Hold on now. Hold on now. Not this yeah, season. Yeah, better, but... I, well, I mean, if you're, if you're saying that he's injured in that game, isn't that the entire season last year? you mean amari cooper had a pretty good beginning half of the season once he got hurt it all just went downhill all just went downhill 100 percent. i don't agree with that mm. other well, than other than the san francisco game with two receptions 10 yards he's had 51 43 112 81 67 80 79 the giants game 23 but that was just because they threw in andy Dalton, and then every other game was really good I still think that this season would have been better if Dak was still there for all three receivers. Well, of course it for would, Mike, would be. For Michael, for Amari, for CD. I'm talking, look. You had fucking that, Ben DiNucci throwing to the Philadelphia Eagles. That stat at the beginning of the season that people were saying were like, oh, all three receivers would have had a thousand yards. No, I, I don't think so. I was always like, that'd be cool, but let's no. be realistic. Yeah, let's be realistic here. However, could we see, you know, like a thousand nine hundred seven fifty? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Could we have seen, you know, maybe like eleven hundred eight hundred seven fifty? Maybe. But you know, instead we're seeing what nine hundred seven forty two. Michael Gallup, like what six fifty or something like that. Well, they just don't know how to use Michael Gallup. They think a no. screen to the outside is just gonna set him up for a touchdown. I'm like, you're gonna get a yard, my, and they just my, keep doing that. My main point with this whole entire um, soliloquy, I guess you could say, I got something in my eye. Jesus Christ. Um, my main point with this whole entire argument is just, it is very disappointing to see that these Cowboys receivers were set for a breakout year and it just got cut short because rest in peace, Dak Prescott. So that's my point. Uh, but we have Andy Dalton. <laughs> we have Andy Dalton throwing for 10 yards to Mark Cooper. Uh, we have, we have Andy, Andy, we have Andy Dalton fucking Dalton. We have Andy Dalton throwing one yard screens to Michael Gallup. Oh, sorry, he had a touchdown. What was that for? One yard? Yeah. Like, like Andy Dalton's just such a hot and cold quarterback. He'll Dude, make they... he'll throw dimes mm-hmm. in one drive, and then another he just throws like to the cheerleaders on the sideline. I'm like, what are you doing? He's missing wide open guys, and then the next play he just throws it in the perfect spot. And I'm like, this is you're just average. Like you're just so like you're just so up and down, and like I just, I just need you at this. I just need you at this, not yeah. this. 
Just this. I don't know if that saves the Cowboys season. I really don't care. No, no. I We both agree that it would have not saved the Cowboys season because our defense is just so, so bad. Yeah, I'm looking at those games. I'm like, look, they, they would have scored more, but I don't think they would have given up less. Yeah, no. Like like that Cardinals game where we lost 38 to Oh, 10? no, they're definitely losing that Cardinals game even we're with st- Dak. We're, we're still losing that game because it would have been 38 to 35, 38 to 31, yeah. something like that, you know? I'm just saying that, you know, it sucks to see that all three, Cooper, CD, especially CD, because, you know, there was this hype around him, number 17 overall pick, absolute stud from Oklahoma. He was set to break out. He was going to an offense that literally catered to his every whim. You know, we had Michael Gallup coming off a career 1,100-yard season. We had Amari Cooper coming off another 1,000-yard great season. This season was it for all three of these receivers. Our offense was going to be prolific. But no. But no. See, I'm disappointed in you because you had the expectation that they were actually going to do something this year. Our offense? Just the Cowboys. Oh, no, no, no. I said the offense. Don't get me, don't get me twisted here. Well, I said the offense. According, the offense. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, according to oh, the God. to the stats, they're actually a top fifteen defense or a top fifteen offense. Well, yeah, because Dak Prescott had like what 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 was it? Someone finally passed Dak Prescott in passing yards. Dude, I was league. thinking about that and I forgot who it was. <sighs> I think I think it was like so he got Sam Darnold. It was Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Okay. He got he got injured week four, and someone barely passed him in passing yards and in week seven or eight. Sam Darnold, well, well, you mean week fifteen? Oh no, no, I was talking about I was talking about like. Well, there was a lot of quarterbacks that didn't pass Dak in passing yards in like week eight, nine, and ten. Like Baker, um, yeah. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson actually went quite far. I think it was like week twelve. And then just, like, two days ago, Sam Darnold had just passed Dak for the amount of passing yards. Yeah. So, it's ridiculous. But, oh, well. Just numb. What's the the famous saying here? I'm numb. Just numb. Just numb. Doesn't. That's what it is. Doesn't. You know know what? Dak, you want to go to Chicago? You want to go to San Francisco? You want to go to Denver? I'll be right behind you. Please stay. Please stay, Dak. I love you. No, no, they don't deserve him. Well, no, they don't, but shut up. God, there's talks about Andy Dolan get a three-year extension to being the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys because they don't want to pay Dak $40 million. Suck my ass, Jerry. Hold on. Tell me who's your top five quarterbacks right now, dead or alive, huh? And how much do you care about a ring if the best player got carried by the team?